0: Oh welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host Michael Brad. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And hey, no cousin Shane on this episode. He'll be back on the next one. But don't worry, it's not just me sitting here spieling because we got Joseph Goodman. From AL.com, senior columnist over there, covers Alabama, Auburn, all Alabama sports really. But uh, really great interview, first time having Joseph on the show, so I really appreciate this conversation. He was nice enough to give me quite a bit of time to hit on the topics there. Hugh Freeze, Cadillac, Williams, Nick Saban, and uh, so yeah, you guys will like that one. But before we get to that, just a couple news and notes around the SEC. Right before I hopped on, Barry Odom leaving Arkansas to be the new head coach of UNLV. And we were already entering into critical offseason for Sam Pittman and company. Drew Sanders also declared for the NFL draft. couple of uh, Jadon Hazelwood declared for the draft. I think one of their outstanding linemen, maybe Ricky Stromberg. I don't think he's playing in the Liberty Bowl. Don't quote me on that last one, but... It's not just the Liberty Bowl. It's more important now with Barry Odom off to UNLV. Critical, critical hire here for Sam Pittman. I would go so far as to say the fate of his program potentially rests on getting a quality defensive coordinator. And that's a mouthful right there. But Barry Odom, I know the defense wasn't that good this year. It was a talent issue more than any other. He Barry Odom won. That football program, a lot of games, the three seasons, he was there on the hill. And Sam Pittman's got to nail this one. Now, the good news is he's been coaching a long time. His his network is all across the country. And Arkansas will spend top dollar to bring an assistant in there to run this defense. And something we talk about with Jimbo, will Jimbo give an offensive coordinator – the free will, so to speak, to run the offense. That's a big question. No question in Fayetteville. You bring in the coordinators, Sam Pittman's going to let you do your job. He's not going to meddle with you. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in. Do they possibly promote Michael Scherer, linebackers coach, played under Odom, coached under Odom, going back to Missouri, and, and of course, here at Arkansas. I think that would be a risky move, but potentially – A solid one. We'll have to see. He may go to UNLV to be the defensive coordinator under Barry Odom. That's where I would imagine would happen. But who knows? For years and years, linebacker was a a real weakness on Arkansas's roster. The last three years, they've been outstanding under Odom and Scherer. So he's a hot name, rising name, young guy. We'll have to see what Arkansas does. But that's a big one. All right, Ed, speaking of coordinators, real quick, jump all down to South Carolina where Dan Mullen cleared the air. I don't know why this was <laughs> – I guess it was – I don't know. I just – I didn't see it. I didn't – I don't know why anybody would even – that knows Dan Mullen would suggest, no offense, that he'd go work for Shane Beamer at South Carolina. It's not a South Carolina issue. It's a Dan Mullen issue. The man's got a massive ego. He's not going to answer to anybody. He's the best coach of Mississippi State history. I realized things didn't go – Great at the end of the Florida tenure, but he was wildly successful at Florida until that final season. So you got to remember they they were a play or two away from beating Alabama in the SEC championship. would have went to the national went would have went to the college football playoff, and then things went downhill pretty quick. I get it, but now the next job Dan Mullen takes is going to be a head coaching job, and it may even be in the SEC. He's that good of a coach. And he's got a massive, massive ego. He's not going to be calling plays for anyone short of maybe Nick Saban, something, someone of that caliber. So Dan it clears the air. Says so South Carolina, they'll get a great offensive coordinator, but it's not going to be me. He said that on the radio here on Tuesday. So just wanted to clarify that. And real quick here, South, sticking with South Carolina, Jahi Bill, outstanding tight end, has jumped into the transfer portal Potentially huge, huge loss. He could return, but clear, unhappy with how he was utilized at times in Columbia this season. That was no secret there. So it's hard to imagine him coming back. He's going to have opportunities all across the country and the SEC, I have to imagine. And a little tally here, wanted to make note of this, day one, If you haven't checked it out already, head on over to ThatSECPodcast.com. I've got a running list of every single SEC player in the transfer portal. I'm doing this as they're jumping in, noting commitments. Not seeing a lot of commitments at this point in time, but those will be added as they happen. Just wanted to run a couple of these figures. Players currently in the transfer portal from each SEC school. Florida, 15 Texas A&M also 15, according to my unofficial count. So Florida and A&M leading the way. Arkansas right there at 13. Alabama 12. Ole Miss 9. Missouri also has 9. Kentucky 8. Auburn's up to 7. Vanderbilt 6. Mississippi State and Tennessee 5. South Carolina 3. LSU's got 3. And Georgia with that goose egg. They're the only ones without a player. Currently in the transfer portal. And I just wanted to mention those numbers. These will these will be fluid. Some guys are jumping in, some guys jumping out. You'll get additions along with subtractions. So this will all work itself out. Not hitting the panic button. But those at the those four at the top. Florida and AM with 15. Arkansas with 13. Alabama with 12. I get Billy Napier. I know a lot of people want to give him a ton of hell i give him a pass this is year one he's cleaning out that locker room getting it his players getting players that are bought in not saying that the guys leaving are bad guys but maybe they just don't fit the system maybe they don't like the position coach maybe they don't like the coordinator maybe they don't like billy napier whatever it is that's going to happen the three that are an issue to me a&m arkansas and alabama all established coaches there been there a while having this many guys jump into the portal and again you'll get guys out of the portal you'll get guys obviously in high school recruiting to shore these numbers up but a little bit of a red flag there with those programs so just something to monitor heading into the offseason let's see who they get to kind of make up for all these losses but I think that tells you an indication of, of where Maybe some of these programs are. And I'm not sitting here saying they're on the decline or anything like that, but they are at critical junction points. And if nothing else, what it tells you is their roster is being turned over quickly. And maybe if you're an Arkansas fan, that's a great thing because the team underperformed. Not everyone's bought in. Same thing with A&M. Even as wild as that is to say Alabama at 10-2, and two, maybe a little roster turnover is going to be great for you. Just something to keep your eye on. Here as the transfer portal heats up here in late December. But all right, let's get over to our interview with Joseph Goodman, senior columnist over at AL.com. All right, we're pleased to be joined by Joseph Goodman. Of course, you know him, a columnist for AL.com and author of We Want Bama, a Season of Hope and the Making of Nick Saban's ultimate team. And don't forget to give him a follow. On the Twitter machine at Joe Goodman Jr. It's it's quite the the entertaining feed you got there, Joseph. So thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, you know, just trying to keep it keep it light, have a little fun out there on the Twitter streams.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of that, I, that's the very first question we got we got a lot of hit on Hugh Freeze, Cadillac, Nick Saban, Trent Dilfer, even down there in Alabama. But before we get to all that, I wanted to ask you something you've been having some fun with the Hugh Freeze effect. Down there at Auburn, uh, you're having quite the time interacting with these Auburn fans that uh, are, are praising St. Hugh Freeze down there. Do, do you have a favorite Hugh Freeze effect of uh, interaction you've had so
1: far? <laughs> Jeez, I, I don't think anyone at Auburn is considering this guy a saint. I mean, <laughs> uh, but. I just did not I have not liked the effect that, you know, his controversial hiring has had on a portion of the fan base, you know, who've decided it's like their job now to attack people who have been trying to hold Hugh Freeze accountable. So, uh, you know, some of those, some of those people needed defending uh, on Twitter and, you know, I just decided like enough was enough. I didn't want to hear any more of this, like these people going after, um, you know, people in the Auburn fan base who were upset with Freeze's hiring for you know this reason and that reason, yeah. And so you know, it's an unfortunate like effect that has had on Auburn's fan base. You know, they hired this controversial guy, and as fans do, they want to they want to support this guy, which is understandable. But at the same time, like you know, just kind of accept what it is. You know, this guy is brought in to beat georgia and alabama and win at all costs he has some baggage uh you don't have to try to like you know rewrite history for this for this dude i mean you know auburn has made it very clear like their ambition is to win football games no matter what so just embrace that
0: (laughs) yeah and, and before we get into a little bit more hugh freeze you shadowed cadillac there uh, you wrote about it for al.com and you've made it no secret that uh, you know you think they could have made a bold statement by by hiring Cadillac. Can you kind of go into that and why you why you believe Cadillac? Of course they, they kept him on staff so that was great. but why you think Cadillac uh, would have made a lot of sense as Auburn's head coach?
1: it was such an inspiring month that he had. you know they gave him this task. This unenvi- unenviable task of taking this team that had just fallen apart under Brian Harson. and he made the most of it immediately. He like, almost overnight he changed everything about Auburn football, and it was so inspiring to watch. Uh, you know his, and, it, and it's not. It wasn't just because he was the interim coach. It was his ability, his, his innate ability as a leader, to motivate. First, the kids in the locker room and then Auburn fan base at large, uh, you know, with his message of serving and everything being about uh, serving Auburn and serving the players. And so that really resonated with a lot of people. It definitely resonated with the players because they played like they played so far above themselves over the last four games. And getting to follow and shadow Cadillac and being in the locker room at the iron bowl was one of the coolest things that I've ever done as a journalist. Um, you know, and I've done a lot of cool stuff, man. I've, you know, I used to cover the NBA. I I was in, I was in a nightclub with LeBron in Shanghai. Okay. Like I've done a lot of cool stuff, but that getting to, getting to watch Cadillac in his element as the first black head coach in the iron bowl, I mean, it was a really special thing for me as a journalist. Um, I I know a lot of people appreciated, uh, you know, the stuff that came out of that. I still have others. uh, I still have a notebook full of stuff, you know, that I'm going to find the right time to use uh, from that whole experience. But it was great that um, Cadillac just I mean, you can't this guy really has done no wrong. I mean, you know he could have been upset. He wanted to be the Auburn's coach. Uh, You know, there were people out there who said like he didn't want to do it because he didn't think he was ready. Cadillac knows he's ready to be the head coach of a football team. He was the head coach of Auburn's football team for a month and you saw the results, you know, but to his credit, you know, this is an Auburn guy, man. I mean, no one loves Auburn more than Cadillac Williams. And when they hired Hugh Freeze, you know, there's Cadillac like already carrying water for Hugh Freeze and turning and helping him, you know, kind of bridge that that gap between you know being a controversial hire and like being the face of Auburn football, because that's what Hugh Freeze is now. Whether people want to accept that or admit it or whatever, like Hugh Freeze, this is the guy you're that you've hired that's the face of Auburn football now. Um, and so you know, as the associate head coach, they did give Cadillac a promotion to associate head coach. You know, he's doing everything he can, uh, you know, to help win over some fans. I think.
0: Well, let me. Add, so let's skip to Hugh Freeze. Uh, did Auburn essentially just hire Gus Malzahn with baggage? Because because that, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what I like to refer to him as. And and let me, you know, Joseph, I I co- I've been covering the SEC for a number of years, uh, and I I followed that whole. Mississippi State Ole Miss back and forth. And and when John Cohen got that AD job, I said, well, let's just just mark Hugh Freeze right off the list because he won't that man will not consider him. Yet he turned around and hired him. So let me ask you this. Uh do you believe it was John Cohen and John Cohen's decision alone to hire Hugh Freeze? No,
1: absolutely not. No, 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 no. This comes from um, you know, all the way to the top. The president is on the hook for this hire, um, you know, and he knows it. Auburn's fan base, you know, flooded Auburn with uh, angry emails about this hire. Um, you know, they emailed the president uh, directly. And so it's on the president and it's on and it's on Cohen for this hire for good or ill. Um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, no, no one really knows how Hugh Freeze is going to do at Auburn. OK. Like, I don't know if he's Gus Malzon 2.0. Uh, I I know that he's going to do everything in his power, okay? And he's going to push every boundary and every limit to make Auburn successful on the football field. And in this new age of college football, um, like, no one really knows what that means yet. I mean, we just had, you know... Uh, we just had the first day of the transfer portal open and like even that, even that day is now different than it was before. You know, it's, it's almost turning into like a second um, national signing day or whatever, like kids jumping in the portal and and, and it's all related. It's all related to money, you know, and opportunity, which is great. You know, there are these forces that are driving college football forward. um, And that and that's great to see. So, we don't really know like it's impossible to tell how Hugh Freeze is, is going to do at Auburn because he is hired under a different set of circumstances than Gus Malzahn had at Auburn, you know, even during his tenure there. So, you know, all things being considered, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze is going to have the test for Hugh Freeze is to see how he can adapt to these new to this new world of NIL and transfer portal um to compete with Alabama and Georgia like that's his job you know so yeah to call it um Gus Malzahn 2.0 seems kind of derivative
0: well that, that's what I'm trying to do <laughs> but, but yeah so they had a uh, obviously an introductory press conference I like to consider it more of a pep rally I mean they they were applauding him he yeah, was crying yeah. and, and I I know you were there you asked him about uh you know, his his uh, roadblocks, so to speak, to get into the SEC. He denied that, even though AL.com has done a good job reporting on that. You can go read it. Uh, you know, there's there was the Pat Forty uh, uh, report that, uh, you know, he can't handle his social media. He says that's not true. He's that since kind of backtracked that on, on college game day. Let me ask you this, Joseph. I mean, maybe these things are insequential and, and they won't really matter, but this mm-hmm. is supposed to be a change, man. This is my, my second chance. Even though I've been shady for 20 years. Um is he a new man if if all of a sudden I mean he's he's apparently seems disingenuous from day one.
1: The only thing new about Hugh Freeze to me seems like his job. So <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, he is like that. this is who Auburn hired, okay? You know, he's <laughs> it is what it is, man. I mean, it's Hugh Freeze. And you know, like I said, Auburn has shown how much ambition they have. And Auburn has always been ambitious. Like, go back to, you know, Cam Newton's whole uh, controversial season, you know, and, and Auburn embraced that. They just said, we're just going to, you know, embrace this, and they called it audacity or whatever. Um, so this is a brash, ambitious look for Auburn, and and really it's – kind of, you know, keeping within the culture of how they operate, you know, they hired and Bruce Pearl is all is like in your face as a basketball coach. He's a great basketball coach, but he was hired, you know, the biggest parallel you want to make, I guess, um, you know, would I guess would be Bruce Pearl and and not Gus Malzahn, you know, because look at how Bruce Pearl was hired. You know, he was hired under a show cause and. Um. Auburn gave him a second chance and and Bruce Pearl came in and now he is really like beholden to Auburn for giving him that second chance on the big stage. And let's not um, downplay the potential of Auburn either. OK, I think some people have tried to do that and say Auburn is taking a step back. You know, all the resources are there all the potential is there for Auburn to become like the next Clemson, like what Dabo has done in the ACC. Uh, yeah, it's more competitive in the SEC, but at the same time, uh, parity is about to hit college football in a way that the game hasn't seen. So uh, with the advent of the college football playoff, NIL, transfer portal, like all of these things collectively are going to make College football, you know, more competitive for a larger group of teams. And Auburn is positioning itself right now as we speak uh, to take that step up and and put themselves on a level playing field with Alabama and Georgia. And let's just be honest, like they weren't before. Um, like they could not recruit the level of players that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart could recruit. Um, so now they think uh, with Hugh Freeze and their NIL collective on to victory that they can.
0: Yeah, I poke fun at the guy, but I I got to imagine he's going to work his ass off to, to do the best job. This is going to be his final shot. If he blows it here, he's not getting back in the SEC. So let me ask you this, Joseph. He was asked about it, uh, about Alabama, Nick Saban in the presser. Uh, do you think that Hugh Freeze... He's done it twice already. Will he beat Nick Saban in an iron bowl during his tenure there?
1: Yes. Yes, he will. All right. I I think so. I think Hugh Freeze is going to win at Auburn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, so you you also did a really good article recently on Nick Saban and and basically, hey, this was supposed to be the revenge tour. They were preseason number one, but hell they're preseason number one every year. It seems like fell short of expectations. Uh, Can can you just kind of, uh, rehash that article and and really, uh, I mean, he's the greatest coach of all time, but I think it's fair to say this was not a great coaching job by Nick Saban this year.
1: Yeah, sure. Mike, um, Auburn fans, some Auburn fans, you know, it's been split down the middle. The reaction to that column is as a columnist, that's what you want. Um, you know, a lot of Alabama fans appreciated the honesty of it. And a lot of Alabama fans, uh, thought it was too critical, but, You know, Alabama went into the season as the number one team. Nick Saban, you know, was talking this team up in the preseason, which something is something like he usually never does. Um, You know, but he really liked – for Nick Saban, it's all about the leadership on the team. And he had the leaders on this team. That's what he thought, um, and he did at the beginning of the season. And and it's been about that core group of leaders who have really brought the most out of, you know, these individual – Alabama teams when they go on to win a national championship you know the last one being 2020 um you know that was a great group of guys Mac Jones you know Smitty you know Najee Harris all these guys um and this year is supposed to be Bryce Young and Will Anderson Jr. but you know they were always like one play away or one step behind or at a position or making a penalty at a bad time giving teams a chance to remain in games and, and just that those little small mistakes, they build up and they build up and they build up. And, and then you find yourself in a situation that at the end of a game where everything is equal and it's going to come down to, can you make a 50 yard field goal? Uh, and, and can you stop the team from getting in field goal position or can you get enough players, get the right personnel on the field for a two point conversion when LSU is trying to win the game, you know? So um, you give anybody one play to beat Alabama, then yeah, they could do that, and that's what Alabama did this year. And so, the point of the column was you know, they had the players, but having a good collection of players is not the same thing as having a good team, um, or having a great team anyway. I mean, I still consider this Alabama team a good team, they won 10 games, uh, you know, they had excellent players. They have Nick Saban as their coach. Uh, but was it a great team? No, it wasn't. I mean, you have to consider everything that Alabama has and and then compare that, you know, to Alabama teams in the past. And for, for that comparison, it was not a great team. Uh, TCU? Was TCU a great team? I think we all can agree that TCU was a great team. Um, Alabama in 2022? a good team, not a great team. Um, So just because you have a great collection of players, uh, you know, Alabama proved this season that that even if for Alabama, uh, you got to have that chemistry and they just didn't have it this year for whatever reason.
0: All right. Final question for you, Joseph, really appreciate all your time. Who lasts longer at their current job? Nick Saban, Alabama, Hugh Freeze, Auburn, Nick Saban, obviously much older, Hugh, a tweet away from getting in hot water here. So, uh, who, who's who's your answer there?
1: Uh, you know, I think it's going to have to be Hugh Freeze at this point because how much longer is Nick Saban going to coach? You know, I don't really know the answer to that. Um, I think Hugh Freeze is going to have at least you know four, four or five years here, unless it just completely falls apart and they have to go in a different direction. I don't expect that to be the case. You know, it seems like, uh, like I said, Auburn's ambition um, is going to match their, their coaches will to do whatever it takes and they're going to allow that to happen. So yeah, like I, honestly, like Hugh Freeze gets back on Twitter. Like, I don't think Auburn, the people who hired Auburn are really going to care, you know, it's all going to come down to can this guy win. Yeah. I think he can win. And I don't know how much longer, uh, you know, Nick Saban has to be at the top of college football, just based on, you know, how long he's been doing it and all the factors that I I mentioned earlier that are conspiring to tear down the dynasty that are just out of Saban's control.
0: Before you go, Joseph, can you tell the people, of uh, our audience, what's the best place, easiest way to find all your work?
1: Oh, yeah, man, just AL.com. Um, you know, I'm the lead sports columnist there, and you can check out my columns. Uh, obviously, you know, you can follow me on Twitter. We have fun there. Uh, and, uh, you know, check out the book, We Want Bama. It is um, – yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. I would say that to other uh, SEC football fans, you know, uh, even Auburn fans, you know, it's um, it, it's really an eye-opening look into you know what it takes to be successful in the SEC. So, um, thanks for having me on, man.
0: Yeah, and we'll put a link in the show notes to the where you can purchase the book and to Joseph's social media accounts. All right, just will say thanks again, Joseph, for joining the show. I hope everybody appreciated that conversation. <laughs> Tried to get him to. to Give me some fire takes. He was, uh, you know, a lot of these people I have on. They're they're a lot smarter than me, so they don't fall for my stupid tricks and and things of that nature. But hey, if I if it, <laughs> I hope if nothing else, that was an entertaining interview. Joseph does a great job. Links to his work in the show notes, including his book, his social media. I highly re- recommend you give him a follow. You check out his book. Check out his work at Al. Dot com. But that is going to do it for this episode of the show. Hopefully the Tennessee Homer cousin Shane will be back on the next episode. Tried to get him back on this one, but uh, he told me he's got he's off the next couple of days, so it'll be a lot easier to track him down. But that is going to do it for this episode of the show. Appreciate each and every one of you for checking us out. We'll catch you on the next one.